Hi, this is referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining us for episode 23 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. My guest today is Ohio basketball officiating legend with almost 50 years of experience, and that is Ken Rockhold of Westfield Center, Ohio, which is located just west of Akron. Where do I start? You know, this is uh, for somebody that's been doing this for nearly 50 years, this biography could last uh, a very long time. So I'm going to try to make it concise, but there's a lot of material to go over. It's awfully impressive. You know, Ken has been an assigner also for 35 years. In fact, he was one of the first assigners in Ohio to use the Arbiter assigning program. And he's been speaking nationally and for the Ohio High School Athletic Association in training assigners. Uh, Ken created and hosted the Ken Rockhold Basketball Officials Camp at Cleveland State University for eight years and trained more than 500 officials. He's also been commissioner of the Pioneer Conference, the Northeast Ohio Conference, the Southwest Conference, and the Greater Cleveland Conference. Ken has been a member of the Lake Erie Basketball Officials Association for 49 years, the Ohio Basketball Officials Association, and also the International Association of Basketball Officials. He was inducted into the Lake Erie Basketball Officials Hall of Fame. uh, I'm sorry. He was inducted into the Lake Erie Basketball Officials Association Hall of Fame and received the highest award of the Ohio Basketball Officials Association, which is the Jack McLean Award. He was instrumental in instituting three-person officiating at the high school level in Ohio. And he served as a clinician for the Ohio High School Athletic Association, teaching other basketball officials from around the state the mechanics of three-person officiating. Ken has also observed basketball officials at both the girls' and boys' state basketball tournaments for 20-plus years. A Northeast Ohio native, Rockhold is a graduate of Bowling Green State University, Harvard of the Midwest, where he also lettered in track and cross country. And he also met his future wife there, Jan. This past year, they celebrated their 54th wedding anniversary. And while we are here to talk about high school basketball officiating with Ken, I have to mention that he is also a member of the Ohio High School Golf Coaches Hall of Fame. What a great honor that is. You know, this podcast is made week in and week out because of the support of our major sponsor, which is PQ2 LLC, and its owner and fellow basketball official and friend, Matt Kearns. Please visit pq-2.com and learn more about PQ2 LLC. And if you would like to become a sponsor uh, of one of the segments of this podcast, please contact me at markfralick at hotmail.com. And be sure to hit the subscribe button uh, for this podcast. Once you do that, you'll receive notification on your phone so you can receive an update on your device whenever a new episode appears. And finally, if you would like to consider a financial gift to help support this podcast, I would appreciate that very much. Just go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash and click on the support button. You can make a one-time gift or you can utilize the various monthly options. And I thank you in advance for your gift. Ken's going to give you a perspective from an official, from an assigner, and from an observer. So needless to say, you should be able to collect a load of information from this podcast. Thanks to all that Ken Rockhold is providing. So enjoy the episode. Well, Ken, you are a legend in Ohio basketball officiating, just as we heard in the introduction. So I I didn't realize, though, that you had such a golf past. But your love for basketball, in my opinion, and probably a lot of other people's opinions, should be recognized in this state. And I just thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Well, we'll talk about high school basketball officiating uh, from both an official's standpoint and also a coach's, or uh, coaches, uh, also an observer's standpoint. I suppose if you want to talk about coaches, you can. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about some things throughout the podcast. But first, I want to talk about 
uh, you being inducted into the Ohio High School Co Golf Coaches Hall of Fame. Talk a little about a little bit about your love of golf and and the and, and the feeling that that was uh, being inducted into that Hall of Fame. Uh, that was a wonderful uh, experience. Uh, something you never work for awards. That's not something uh, that you do anything for awards. But you know, it was something that I have <laughs> been very involved with the golf scene. Still am actually. I probably didn't tell you this, but uh, actually worked at the state high school golf tournament for over 40 years. Wow. And also, I was the first golf rule interpreter for the state of Ohio. So, oh. well, that's yeah, my, uh, my role for golf and basketball are pretty strong. And, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, which one do you like better? <laughs> I like them both. And I actually <laughs> like golf sports, so it's it's really difficult to, uh, you know, single it out. But that was a great honor, uh, being inducted into the Golf Coaches Hall of Fame. Um, they do it in a pretty professional way. They do it at a clinic they have at each spring. And with um, a lot of golf coaches attending, a lot of friends that I've made over the years. So it was a great, uh, great honor. Yeah, well, that's great. So congratulations to you on that. I'm sure that is very, very well deserved. Um, as we head back to basketball this year with COVID, uh, you know, it's been a real challenge for people like yourself, uh, assigners and, and even observers. So talk a little bit about the life of an assigner and uh, during years like this and, and how a year like this maybe is a bit taxing on assigners. Well, there's never been a year like this, Mark. It's... Um... I've never seen anything like this in my career of, uh, of assigning. Um, and it's, it's really been, um, it, it's so tough because, uh, schools are being quarantined daily and, you know, they're off for 14 days. Some schools, um, you know, I'm not sure some of our schools in our league are actually going to complete their season. You know, it's that tough. It's, you know, and, and the, the thing is, uh, the game is for the kids. And, and you know, the thing this year is, is uh, student athletes didn't even know if they were going to have a season. And, you know, it's it was such a joy to be able to see them out on the court playing. And I think most of the coaches that I've dealt with have, have taken the right attitude that, it's not whether we win or lose, but it's we are actually playing a game, you know. So it's a, it's it's really a, a, a crazy year, is all I could say. Um, you know, from an, a standpoint of an assigner and a, as an observer, um, we're constantly changing officials, just constant. And you could have the best plan laid out, but. But what happens, um, obviously, is as uh, quarantines happen, and sometimes they happen at two o'clock in the afternoon for a, a seven o'clock ball game. You know, it's just and it's really tough on officials too. You know, officials think they have a game, and all of a sudden now they don't have one. So you know, it's it's so tough. It's um, it's tough on everybody. Um, I applaud the athletic directors in the state of Ohio for what they've gone through this year. They've really had to um, search and search sometimes to find games for their school to play. And, um, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's just such a tough job. I, I, I just keep saying, well, you guys are amazing that you can get this done. So, and they do. So, and they try to find games when the game gets canceled, they work hard to try to find another game so that they can, so that the kids can play. I think it's going to be uh, a, a real accomplishment if we can finish the season. And hopefully from my standpoint, I'd like to see us be able to finish the tournaments because I'd like to break in here and tell you one little thing last year at the state tournament, uh, state tournament I walked into uh, uh, St. John Arena 
and there was um, the teams were warming up to play the first game, and we already had a pretty good inkling that this game was not going to be played. Um, you have parents there, grandparents, all at the game, and you know when they found out that this game was being canceled and basically the whole tournament was being canceled. I don't think I've ever seen as many adults break down and cry and and just hugging each other. It, it was it was so hard for me to actually walk to my car through some of these people. You know, it was just, I, I haven't experienced anything like that ever before. You know, you know people win and they lose and sometimes they're happy and sometimes they're sad, but um, this was just so traumatic. And it's traumatic for the officials that were there too. They were, they were already uh, in their uniforms, ready to go. And unfortunately, the plug was pulled, and that was the end of it. So, yeah, that's sorry, uh, sorry to break away that way, but no, no, that was real heartfelt. And uh, that that's you know those are those are some experiences that people need to hear because uh, not only do the not only do the fans have the experience and the players, but the officials do as well. And, and um, you know, I think that uh, uh, everybody obviously was affected by that, and hopefully this year we'll be able to get some things accomplished and, and have a state tournament, not just in Ohio, but um, but all over as well. So uh, before we get into the pregame, let's hear from our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner and fellow basketball official, Matt Kearns. We'll be right back. Hey Ref, if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Well, Ken, as we enter into the pregame discussion, it's usually a section of the basketball game that officials come to and we get to get to know each other a little better. And a lot of people uh, that are listening to this podcast got to hear a little bit about you and your accomplishments and your 47 years of officiating. Talk about your journey into officiating and what made you get into becoming a basketball official. Well, you know, I was also... Uh... Um, basketball coach so uh, I never thought the officiating was very good and thought this was so easy everybody could do it but lo and behold I found out real quickly that uh, <laughs> that's not that easy and so uh, myself and another fellow coach of mine um, we went to a class and started to learn we thought we knew the rules inside and out obviously we found out we didn't <laughs> and you know, as, as most people find out as they get into officiating, they always think they know it. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a real experience for me to say. And I, and I had two real veteran um, people that were teaching my class, and they were uh, really hard on, on us as uh, trying to learn the rules of the game. And unfortunately, back then, when I learned, or when I became an official and was um, going to class and getting ready to pass my test, I, I was, um, I was, I was shocked actually to know that um, I didn't really know what to do when I went on the floor. <laughs> so, you know, so it's um, the first time I went on the floor was the first time I ever officiated a basketball game. I did some officiating when I was in college in intramurals, but I was just running up down the floor basically. So, but, um, you know, that, this was a real eye-opening experience for me. And, and I guess I'll never forget the first game that I worked either because I, um, it was, it was, it was just crazy. My partner was a Cleveland homicide detective and we're getting dressed in the locker room and he's got his uh, gun strapped on his ankle and I go 
hey, aren't you going to take that off before we fish here? He goes, no, we will have no trouble out on the floor. <laughs> I go, no, I don't think we, I don't think we need that. But, you know, he left it on there the whole time running up down the floor. I don't know how he did it. But, um, but what an experience because I had no idea where to even stand, um, what kind of positions, mechanics. We didn't learn mechanics. Um, you know, the things that we learned were all just book things, learn the rules so we could pass a test. And, you know, those things have changed over the years for good because uh, now, you know, when you go to class, uh, you spend uh, a lot of time on the floor, and that's that's really a, a positive thing. Talk about some of the lessons that you learned in officiating early in your career that really made an impact on you. Well, I learned that, you know, if you're going to be an official, and this is kind of how I try to live my life, if you're going to do something, you do it 100%, and you you try to do it to the best of your abilities. So, you know, I tried to, I was smart enough to try to get with some people that I had watched officiate in the past when I was coaching and got together with them and uh, kind of would follow them around and asked a thousand questions and why did you do that? Why, why? <laughs> and, you know, so I, I was able to uh, hook myself into what I would call a good mentoring system of fellow officials. And, you know, they, they kind of got me started in the right direction. And I found out how much I really loved the officiating and the challenge that it was. So, you know, that's how I really, um, in my early years, tried to uh, focus on doing the best I possibly could do. Pre-game is so important for officials to have that discussion. And uh, I'd like to know some of the things that you talk about when you had your pre-games. And maybe, um, I don't know as an observer if you are around the pregame section much now, but uh, what kind of things need to be talked about in the pregame? Well, there's actually quite a few things that need to be talked about. <laughs> and, uh, and a good pregame is usually the, um, the background that you're going to need for that game and for any game. And, you know, the, the officials... Um, is they get together, um, and I like the pregame that doesn't isn't just run by the uh, referee, but is uh, all officials join in and offer some um, types of um, comments and suggestions of how we do things that that night. And you know, it's a thing that I think the preparedness that you do in that pregame really shows when you get on the floor. And, you know, that's a hard thing for younger officials to understand. Um, you just say, well, okay, you're going to be the referee, you throw the ball up. Um, that's not really what it's all about. It's how you're going to handle some special situations or situations that you've been involved in in one of your games. And, yes, I do, as an assigner and as an observer, um, I do like to listen to pregames, believe it or not. And a lot of officials, I'll always say, do you mind if I come in and listen to your pregame? And they go, are you kidding? And I go, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I want to know what I'm watching. <laughs> when I go out on the floor, I want to know why you did some certain things a certain way. So it's, I think that pregame is, um, is very, very important and, you know, I don't know if um, I answered your question exactly as you wanted it to be answered, but, you know, it's uh, it's so important. And, um, you know, the, the thing that, that I, as I watch games, I can tell that they've talked about um, are they going to hustle, not if they're going to hustle, but they have to put out and, and uh, run up and down the floor and put in a good effort no matter what the score of the game is, got to give an all-out effort. And, um, again, that's just something that if you don't talk about that stuff sometimes in the pregame, 
you just assume that your partners are going to do that. But, you know, I think it's important again, that, um, that you communicate with one another of, of what your expectations are of your partners at night too. So, and you know, you can talk about, uh, if you've had a team, you can talk about, uh, particular situations. Uh, you can talk about the coach a little bit. If he's, um, hard to manage, if he's not, um, those are things I think you need to talk about in the pregame. And it's not a matter of singling out a player or a coach, but it's being aware of the situation. That is the end of our pregame. We are going to head to the first quarter, but first we're going to hear from Matt Kearns, who's going to talk a little bit about PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio. And I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. The first quarter is about coaches and communication, and you talked a little bit about coaches in the pregame, um, the importance of talking about the coaches and players, um, talk a little bit about any specific encounter or an example that you had in officiating with a coach that may help uh, some officials that are listening now. Well, I think, first of all, uh, things have changed in, in officiating in the standpoint that um, the officials used to stand on the same side as the, as the players and coaches and you know, coaches would like to talk to you and try to um, try to see if they could get that extra call, maybe. And, and I think we did a great thing when we took the, the officials and moved them to the other side of the floor. And, you know, and so you can concentrate on what you're doing and not um, necessarily trying to get a coach's vote or whatever you want to say when you're there talking to them. So I think it's. Uh, that was a, probably something very, very positive of the officials going to the other side of the floor. Um, encounters with coaches, um, I always tried to be as positive as I could always be with coaches and players. Um, you know, I thought I was a pretty good communicator. Um, tried not to let my temper get the best of me sometimes. And, you know, there's times that you your blood pressure is uh, going through the ceiling, but, um, you know, you have to show that calmness. So, you know, how, um, how I did that, um, not quite sure, you know, I was always friendly, tried to smile and, and, um, try to let them know I was there to, to enjoy myself and try to give them the best effort that I could. So I'm not sure I tried to have an encounter with coaches mm -hmm. or, anything was negative that way. If we can go back to the the coaches or the, the officials after they call a foul, you talked about getting them away from the coaches, and that has kind of changed over the years uh, from being away from the coach to beside the coach to away from the coach. Um, it's funny because I've heard both ways. I, I've heard officials who love it because if they have a call that they made – they're able to explain it to the coach instead of having him shout all the way across the floor. I've heard some officials say that they like going across because they don't have to deal with the coach who's mad because they they don't want to have to uh, have that argument with them. Um, talk a bit about that flip flopping back and forth between to and to and fro, I guess, of of being next to the coach and away from the coach. And and I know you said you like it. Um, what kind of things did you see that were really a negative when the when the official was next to the coach? 
Uh, one of the things, and one of this, the mechanic that we try to teach now is is for the coach uh, or for the official to not stand in front of the coach and make their foul call, but to get to the reporting area and you're away from the official, away from the coach, so that the coach has to, if he wants to confront you, now he's got to step towards you instead of you standing right in front of the coach. Um, you're just asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. So I think I think as much as you can get away from of the from the coach, I, I like going across the floor. But I will say this: there's, it's not that hard and fast rule. If there's um, if there's a situation where you think you can help the game by communicating with the coach, stay over there in front of him. Absolutely. Uh, if he he or she um, um, doesn't um, doesn't respect you, and um, then you can walk away. But you know you you can uh, communicate with the coach. Sometimes that settles the situation down. You know it, you have to have that feel for that. That's uh, something that you know you get a feel for as as an official and as you're in the game. And sometimes um, you know it's just good and even. Even sometimes you might not want to switch to go across the floor like you're supposed to, but um, maybe your partner's one of your partners is being um, chastised by a coach, and it would be better if he didn't stand in front of the coach. Right. So you send him over there. <laughs> you know, those are the little things I think that you learn in officiating. Preventative stuff. Yep. Uh, you're not trying to cause problems; you're trying to prevent them. Yeah, and we know that sometimes uh, some of those preventative things don't work, and we have to offer a uh, a technical foul to a coach here and there. Um, any memorable technicals that you've distributed uh, throughout your career? I never gave any. No, that's not true. <laughs> I gave very few to coaches. Um, basically, the only time that uh, that I can remember that I gave technical fouls out was when somebody – just totally disrespected me as a person. Um, and it's not just about the call, but it's the way they did it. Um, and I usually would put up a stop sign and say, okay, that's enough. Now, if they continue on, try to make eye contact with them, if that didn't work, um, yep, you have nothing, no choice sometimes, but to give a technical foul. You know, those, those are things that, um, you know, I tried to avoid as much as I could, but sometimes that's the only uh, solution you have to take care of the situation. That is the end of the first quarter. We are going to head to the second quarter. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official at PQ2 LLC. We bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. We are in the second quarter, and this is where we talk about players and communication with the players. And Ken, you've seen a lot of changes in in basketball players over the years. So talk a little bit about what you've seen in basketball players and, and how are officials adapting to their play? Well, I don't know. Are the, are the officials supposed to adapt to the players or the players to adapt to the officials? Which... <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, I, sometimes I get a little outspoken here, so I'm going to make the comment that probably not going to be liked by you know, everybody. But I think one of the things that's uh, hurt basketball, especially on the high school level, is AAU basketball. So um, you get people who are coaching uh, these young young men and women that um, don't really understand all the all the things that really go into a uh, high school program. And so they kind of let them do what they want. Um, 
with their attitude. And, you know, it's just uh, sometimes I see it and I just cringe. Not, it's it's just not right. You know, the 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 athletes need to understand that this game is for everybody, and that you have to adhere to rules. And that's what basketball is about is adhering to the rules and, you know, and it's even conduct, you know, if, um, you know, if they give you the old wave signal after you've blown your whistle for a foul or called a violation, you know, they're putting you in a bad light. So, you know, you've got to have that, um, that middle of the road thing with, um, the players and how they react to, to your officiating or style, or I think officials have a better idea of, of adapting to um, players than players maybe sometimes to officials. So that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, we've, uh, as officials, we've been able to really utilize our communication ability to talk to some of the players and maybe try to talk them out of situations. And uh, talk a little bit about that, about working with the players and what's helped um, from what you've seen uh, with officials. And, and when you were officiating, what's helped the most in communicating with the players? I think one of the most important things as an official is to, is to use your voice. You know, not be afraid to use your voice when you communicate. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, hey, I saw what you just did, cut it out. Or, you know, get out of the lane. You're not going to camp in there all night. You know, talk to them. Communicate with them. Try to make the game move along. One of the hardest things, obviously, in officiating is not having these game interrupters where you're blowing the whistle when the continuity of the game needs to move on. You know, so it's, it's <laughs> there's some fine lines there. Yeah, and a lot of people hear about the game interrupters, and, and sometimes maybe they they don't fully understand uh, what that is, but officials really do have to be aware of some game situations, and uh, uh, it takes a little bit more than what people really quite understand that are in the, that are in the stands. Agree? Agreed, definitely. I mean, you know, you, you can blow the whistle probably every time down the floor if you want to, but that's not what the game's supposed to be, marching back and forth to the free throw line. You know, the idea is to keep the game rolling and trying to uh, have some continuity to the game. And, you know, so that's, to me, um, those game interrupters are, are something that, that kind of ruin a game sometimes. Well, that is the end of our second quarter, and we are going to go to halftime right now. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rockin', and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, Ref. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3 in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 
888-988-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. The third quarter, can we talk about officials and the communication among the officiating crew? And we talked a little bit about this in the pregame section, but um, as you know, not only is the pregame an important part to talk about officials, but there's also um, the halftime. There's also discussion during timeouts. So talk a little bit about what officials can do throughout the game to improve uh, the communication and, and the way that they are uh, cohesive to each other during the game. Yeah, you make a good point there. A halftime is a great time to be able to kind of digest what happened in the first half and try to um, see if there were situations in that first half that um, that maybe you didn't handle it just like you should have, but you use it as a learning experience. And as, a, as an observer and as an assigner, I never walk into the locker room at halftime. I, I try to let the officials have that halftime to talk amongst themselves. They don't need to hear me. You know, they need to uh, use that time to talk about situations that happened and maybe how they would handle them a little differently. Early in my career, um, I used to go in when I was a, was I was observing games. I'd go in at halftime, and that was only very short periods of time before I learned. I came out um, halftime, and you know, one coach that was behind said, "You're just in there telling them how to officiate the game." And I said, "No, I'm not. That isn't what I went in there for." But then I learned that probably the best thing I can do is stay out of the locker room at halftime and let the officials talk amongst themselves. Yeah. And one of the, you know, we talk about communications and another way to communicate on the floor is with proper mechanics. So uh, talk a little bit about the importance of mechanics from an observer's point of view. Well, that's the thing that probably stands out real quickly to me as I, Go watch a younger official work. Um, you know, the first thing probably is hustle, but the next thing is, uh, you know, to to watch their mechanics. Are they trying to use the proper mechanics and not only use the proper mechanics, but are they very sharp or sharp? Because actually the mechanics pretty much tell the players and coaches what just happened. And if you don't have good mechanics you have everybody confused. So yeah, mechanics are, are really a must here. What advice would you give for a younger official who's wanting to move from a lower level to varsity? You know, the things that you've got to learn, first of all, you've got to, um, you have to know the rules. That's, that's a must. And obviously you need to learn to have good mechanics. You always need to hustle. You need to learn how to work with your fellow officials. And then the other thing is you've got to be able to take constructive um, criticism. You know, you can't always be right as an official. Um, and, you know, you need to listen. Uh, as I always tell people, uh, a good rule is to keep your mouth shut, your ears uh, wide open. You know, and you can learn a lot. And, you know, it's just – I. I see so many uh, younger officials that kind of think they know it all and they're not willing to listen to what a veteran official is trying to tell them. They're trying to help them. They're not trying to pick on them or single them out. They're just trying to help them, you know, get better. And that's, that's the thing I see more now in officiating than I probably ever did. Um, you know, we didn't always want to help our partner or our younger officials, but now I see officials that really want to see our officiating community grow and get better. And, you know, they're not worried about whether they're going to take away their games, but, um, you know, that they're trying to help that younger official get better. 
This is the quarter where I like to have my guest answer questions from other officials. So if you have a question that you would like to ask a future official, you can email me at markfralick at hotmail.com and I'll, and I'll include the question to that future official. Uh, this week, you get a question from me. So as a respected observer, uh, what are you seeing this year in basketball officiating, both good and bad, uh, that might be different than another year? Well, number one, because of the switching around of games, um, we have so many more people working with different people, at least in our area. Um, in Northeast Ohio, obviously, we have um, quite a few officials and our officials associations, and I see where more of um, more officials working with different people, so it's different. It's probably very good, actually. Because, you know, sometimes we get in a rut and, and we only work with certain people. But we find out that, gee, I worked with so-and-so. He's pretty good. And I probably would have never worked with him had this been a normal year. But because we're switching people in and out. And, and I've even had some what I would call top-notch JV officials step up and some um, – pretty tough varsity games and do a really nice job, you know? So I think it's just uh, getting used to working with different people. And I think we've probably um, spread that out more this year than at any time in the past. So, you know, it's, um, I think that's something that's been real positive. What's been maybe one thing that you've seen consistently at ball games this year that officials should be working on? Good question. First of all, um, Mark, I have not been to a ball game all year. Really? Um, yeah. No. Um, Watching TV because of COVID. Yep. Um, here's I'll tell you. Uh, sometimes officials don't know, but I just counted these up this afternoon. I have watched including a couple tonight. I've watched 25 ball games since the first of the year online. I have two sources that I use. I use YouTube and a network that's called NFHS uh, Network. Right. And, um, you know, I watch a lot of games. And um, the sad part is uh, with that is I can't really – communicate with the officials after the games so a lot of times i'll actually get on the phone and and call one of them and say hey why did you do this or why did you do that or you did a great job or whatever the case might be you know so it's it's been completely different um so trying to figure out what's <laughs> what they, we need to work on this year uh, that's probably uh i don't know i i, I think you know, I've seen a better job of officials uh, getting the block charge right. I've seen, a, I think I've seen a lot better job of uh, traveling, which I think is the toughest call in basketball, by the way. So, you know, it's it's really good. And, um, I just overall think the officials this year have, have really done a great job in a difficult situation. I agree 100%. I think uh, what what we've been able to do, getting out on the basketball floor, uh, on like you said earlier, on days when we're not expected to officiate um, and even getting in the game with the crowds not being the way they were. And uh, I, I just think it's been an a interesting year and an unusual year, and everybody's handled it just fantastically. So, Yeah, the one thing with the lack of crowds, though, that I notice is because I actually can uh, turn up the sound as you hear every comment. <laughs> I know in games where you have packed gyms, you don't hear comments very often, but boy, sometimes when there's not a whole lot of people in the stands, you hear everything. I'd like to uh, make a comment here, just a real quick comment to uh, something that I'm catching unprepared sometimes on this, but um the one thing that officials have got to be very aware of is um, the technology that we have out there today. Um, and with the cell phones, people can video what you say, and they can video your actions. So you've got to be really careful 
with what you say when you're on the floor or what you do when you're on the floor because somebody's got that on video, I guarantee you. And then the other thing with the, the cell phones is obviously and with Twitter and everything else, um, emails, um, got to be careful what you send out there because uh, as my wife always liked to say, you – uh, officials are um, like a bunch of sewing circle ladies. Uh, one guy says something and goes to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And the story gets blown completely out of proportion. And, you know, we shouldn't be negative about our fellow officials. We should be doing positive things, not negative. So just a little warning. What a great point that is. And your wife is a wise woman to say that. <laughs> It's tend to be wise to put up with me. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that later. <laughs> that, that is the end of our third quarter. We're going to head to the fourth quarter. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds, and we've returned to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. Our fourth quarter is a variety of different questions, and Ken, we start with this one all of the time. The game's tied at 60. There's five seconds to go. Team A has the basketball out of bounds, and they have called the timeout. What are you and the partners going to be discussing during this timeout? First of all, how much time did you say was left? Five seconds. Okay. You, first of all, you got to get together is uh, the number one thing and need to communicate, uh, make clear who has that last second shot and is ready to it. And the other officials have to be aware, too, of, of the clock situation. Sometimes if you're the lead, you don't have much responsibility other than to listen for that horn or whatever. So you need to talk about situations. Are we in the one-and-one? we call a foul um is it going to be a two-shot foul one-shot foul just just have to know the situation you have to go through in your mind all the different situations that that could come out and i always try to say that um as an official you don't want to make the call that decides the outcome of the game but if you have to you got to make it i mean that's why uh, you wear those stripes is to make decisions so Kind of a tough time in in ball game, 60-60. I'm I'm ready to go to the restaurant and get a sandwich myself. (laughs) Well, you know, you talk about you have to step up and and be ready to make that decision, and it kind of correlates into a life decision, too, and how we handle that professionally into our personal life. So when you look at officiating, what do you gain from that professionally and even in your personal life? Oh, boy. You know, it's... Well, again, some of the principles I hope that you that you have in your um, personal life, um, you know, your personality. Um, are you able to smile? Are you able to to uh, walk away and know that you've done a good job and you've uh, done everything that you think that you can do as an official to um, make that game go smoothly? Um, honesty. That's another thing. Um, professionalism, you know, no matter what you do in life is, you know, you should always be, um, try to be the best you possibly can be, be very professional, have pride. And obviously the other thing is you have to have a passion for what you're doing. You know, a passion in officiating goes a long way. You know, if you're just out there for the money, you're probably not going to do a very good job. 
So what are some of the games that you remember the most from your officiating days and, and talk about why they were the most memorable games that you had? Oh, that's a, that's a, I, I've been very fortunate in my career to have a lot of top notch games, but you know, as I tell people today, you know, it's not necessarily the big games that you have, but sometimes the game that is just, uh, has a nice flow to it as the coaches are coaching and kids are playing hard. And, you know, it's, um, sometimes it's nice not to have the biggest game of the week you know it's, it's a lot of pressure on you as an official i think and you know it's my most memorable um i had an opportunity to officiate um a couple of pretty outstanding individuals clark kellogg and, yeah. and jim jackson yeah. you know both obviously became buckeyes but yep. uh, you know it's it was uh to watch them and how they carried themselves was kind of like, I guess you would want an official to carry themselves, you know, just the same kind of, of thing. So I just think, you know, what, what you do um, as a basketball official, um, you just want to be, you want to treat everybody like you would like to be treated, I guess would be the, a great um, thing to say, and um, I always tell people uh, half of uh, succeeding in in life is to know what you're doing, whatever you're doing, and the other half is being able to do it. You know, so it's uh, it's a good thing. So, so in yeah. your 47 years, uh, Ken, what's the scariest thing that has ever happened to you on the court? Uh, possibly on the court, maybe off the court, whether it was a fan, player, or coach, or just a situation? Um, scariest situation I ever had as an official was, was officiating a basketball game. I won't mention where it was, but um, all of a sudden I heard a gunshot go off. Oh, boy. And my first reaction was to get the kids off the court, which we did, and get in the locker room. And I sure as heck was not coming back on that floor (laughs) until I I was reassured. And eventually what happened is they uh, actually cleared the gym. And and it was not shot at somebody. It was somebody had a gun and it accidentally went off out in the hallway. I mean, but you don't know. Right, right. That wasn't a pretty common occurrence back when this happened. And I mean, you talk about being scared. Oh, bet. <laughs> I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it was a shame because, you know, it ruined a very good basketball game. And because we waited almost 45 minutes before we resumed the game. Wow. I'm surprised yeah. you resumed the game. Well, it was a decision the administration made. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were in favor of it. We had the local police were there and they, they did a good job. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know, they reassured us and if, if they wouldn't have reassured us, I don't think I would have gone back on the floor, but right. you know, I, yeah, it's just one of those ugly, ugly situations that I hope I never see again. Exactly. So it's, it was just something that happened. Well, that's the end of our fourth quarter. We're going to head to the post game. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Well, some of the best parts of the post of the uh, basketball officiating is the post game where we can uh, drive 
away from the games and and uh, maybe go out to eat after the ball game and and find some interesting places to go to and and have some interesting conversations. You know that brother and sisterhood is just fantastic in officiating. So Ken, talk a little bit about that and uh, maybe some examples of of what that brother and sisterhood is all about. Well, it's like I used to. I always tell when I go to new officiating classes, tell them officiating basketball officiating is like a fraternity or a sorority. So you know you've got to understand. And, you know, and like you said, after the game, I actually learned how to officiate um, <laughs> by going out afterwards. And it was uh, it was amazing back when I started officiating. Not only did the officials show up at this one uh, particular restaurant, but so did the coaches. <laughs> and you would think that wouldn't be good, but it was like um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They they might have been terrible during the game, but they were they were there, and you know they they would discuss stuff with you in a civil way. And, and, you know, the veteran officials that were there, um, you know, we'd ask questions to them and they would give us some good advice. And actually, that's how I learned how to officiate. And even today, um, and this is something I've really missed all year long, is um, practically every Friday night I met um, a large group of officials um, uh, when I say large, we have between 20 and 25 officials show up. Not always the same ones, uh, different ones, different levels of officials would show up. I, I would traditionally kind of send out a sometimes a little email to some people and said, hey, I'm going to be at such and such a place. And uh, after the game, stop in and, you know, we can tell some good stories. So. You know, and this was a great way, first of all, to learn uh, how to how to learn about some of my younger officials, surprisingly. You know, one of the things I pride myself in, not only did I know their, their name, I pretty much knew where they worked, what they did, and who their wife was and who their kids were. You know, because I learned that at these after-game things. And, you know, they sometimes were really surprised that I knew that. And sometimes they would actually bring their wives, which was a good situation for them to see, you know, um, what we did after a game, you know, that we didn't sit there and just uh, um, eat and horse around, but, you know, we actually became good friends. So there's a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships that you get from that post game, you know, and I, just like to tell a couple little stories here. Sure. I have one particular official that, um, that was female, and, and since she has been officiating, she would always have so many questions for me, and her husband finally told her, she, he said, why don't you call your basketball dad? <laughs> and, and so this official always would call and um, the, to ask me questions, and not always about basketball, just about life. And, you know, it was such a great, and still such a great relationship. And, you know, I don't want to mention her name because uh, I would embarrass her probably, but, you know, it's just a relationship that you get from that kind of thing. I have a, two other guys that I like to tell this story too, is that, um, one of them lost their dad, and when he lost his dad, he came to me and he said, will you be my dad? Wow. And I said, yes. And then this summer, I had another official kind of same situation, and he asked me the same question. And You know, that's so powerful for me personally that somebody thinks enough of you to, to want to call you dad. You know, so it's kind of a lot of great relationships with a lot of great people. And, you know, and you know, I, uh, because I've been at some state tournaments for a few years that I've learned a lot of people around the state of Ohio. And what a great time just to 
be able to have that relationship with those officials. So, you know, it's, it's what keeps me going, I guess. That's what I keep saying. But what an impact you've had on so many lives and to, for them to, to call you dad just so shows really the, the quality of person that you've been to these officials. And, you know, part of this discussion, you, you talked a little bit about how some of the officials bring their wives to the post game and, and family life is so important to officials. Talk a little bit about that family life and maybe how you have been able to balance life between home life and officiating life. And that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Because I have three principles in, in officiating, in, or what I call four principles in uh, priorities. And I say you have to have these priorities in line before you can do anything. The first one is God comes first. The next one is your family, your job. And the last one is officiating. You've got to have those priorities in line. That's um, and one of the reasons why I guess I... <laughs> The wives kind of like me sometimes is because I have a little rule with um, with my officials that I hire. I tell them, you know, if your kid has a, a school play or they have a, a music uh, production that they're involved in, all you need to do is call me and ask if you can be replaced and I'll replace you because those are times that as a family, you don't want to miss. Exactly. And I've seen so many people um, miss those opportunities. And then when their kids get older, they say, gee, I wish I would have done that. Yep. You know, and it's, it's, it's a very tough thing. It's a, it's, it's the hardest thing probably about officiating is, you know, you've got to deal with your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever, you know, and make sure they understand uh, some of this. And, you know, it's um, in, in, in my personal life, um, I'm married to the greatest lady that's ever been around. She has understood everything I've done. It's not always been easy. She's had to raise our kids a little more than um, maybe she would have normally if I wouldn't have been involved with the uh, basketball. But she stood behind me and uh, supported everything I've done. So you have to have that support. If you don't have that support, it gets really tough, I would think, as an official. So, you know, yeah, I can't I give, like, I, a lot of credit. <laughs> yep, I I can't add any more to that. That was that was just perfect, Ken. Um, that is the end of post game. We're going to head to a quick break and come back with the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. Five quick decisions. Uh, Some of the fun parts about this uh, uh, segment is we get to ask some questions. You get some quick answers. So you ready for these? I guess I am. Okay. What, uh, if you can remember, what's the best food that you've ever had after a ball game? Oh boy, uh, that's that is tough. Um, well, I guess the best food I ever had was the first restaurant we always went to. They always uh, made uh, food. They actually the restaurant was downstairs, and uh, they lived upstairs. And so the lady of the the owner of the restaurant, and he was an official, by the way. And they would make food and send it down on a dumbwaiter. And I mean, it was really good. And, you know, it's all homemade. Um, they would send cheese plates down all the time. I don't know if it was the best food I ever had, but it was one of the things that probably most memorable because I think you can go to a lot of restaurants and get uh, a lot of different uh, foods. But that was just seemed to 
um, in the spot. So if there's the real, real thing about that is uh, we do a thing and we have done in the past uh, in the Cleveland area, we have a thing that we used to call the venison roast. And one of our officials uh, would always fix uh, venison and some other food. And now we do a chili cook-off. So kind of interesting, kind of fun. It's kind of held towards the end of the season, kind of the culmination. So that's, that's a little special food stuff. So Yeah, I'm going to have to give you my address after we're done here. You can send some over. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, there's one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I know what most people would say, but I don't. They would like to see a shot clock, but I'm not in favor of that. So I guess I would say that I wouldn't be in favor of that, but that's a rule that I think a lot of people would like to see uh, happen. But I don't think we're ready for it. So which, which rule would you think? Do you have one that you would want to change? Not really. I like the rules. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, I had to live with them. So, you know, it's, um, you know, no, there's not a basketball rule that I'd like to change, actually. All right. So you're from the Northeast Ohio. I'm from Northwest Ohio. We've had this discussion before. I haven't had this discussion before, but you've had this discussion before from with, with some other people, and it's all in good fun. Okay, I'll just preface it. Who's got the better officials, Northwest or Northeast, Northeast Ohio? <laughs> oh, it's definitely the Northeast. So, you know, it's always been that way. There's, I would have to say that there's an individual over there on the Northwest who's, uh, and I'll mention his name, uh, Jenny Doc Morris, uh, who... <laughs> He's a very good friend of mine. I work very closely with him at the state tournaments, and him and I good naturedly like to kid each other. And uh, he usually tries to make sure that the Northwest has the first game so that he can say that, hey, this is one of the, one of the best uh, officials of the tournament. <laughs> so I always have to say, well, wait till the Northeast shows up. So, but, you know, it's all in good fun. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. It's all in good fun, and I just had to toss that one in there. Hey, what is no the uh, what is the funniest thing that a player or coach ever said to you? Uh, they said, you know, your pants are ripped. And I thought I did rip them, you know, my <laughs> pants. And so I called for a timeout, and I ran in the locker room. And I checked myself, and I didn't rip my pants. I came back out. I was actually a player, and... And everybody out there was laughing, so I was the run of the joke. But that was okay. It was it broke it up, and uh, I guess they found out I could take a joke, so that was good. So. Oh, that's great stuff! I want to thank Ohio legend and hopefully, hopefully future Ohio officials Hall of Fame member Ken Rockhold for taking the time out of his schedule today to be part of the high school basketball referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Ken, you had some great stories, some great education for officials. I just appreciate you taking the time to uh, be on the show. This was a very big honor for me to be on the show, so thank you very much for asking. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile, and God bless.